the art of self-reliance is forging your own path, but the path is difficult. Made easier by learning from those who have succeeded in directing their own lives on their own terms. With their help and inspiration, your path to self-reliance moves from dream to reality. And now, here's your host, Dr. Rodney King. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Art of Self-Reliance podcast. In this episode, I speak to former Special Forces operator turned life performance coach, Todd Apolsky. Todd has lived an amazing full life. Having spent time as a competitive bodybuilder, triathlete, adventure racer, survivalist, special operations operator, hostage rescue assault commander, corporate security analyst, and director of operations for a technology company, Todd knows the ingredients to succeed and what is required to establish harmony with oneself in any environment. Todd then founded Zen Commander in Costa Rica, a retreat where he offers coaching to people on how to be more successful in everyday life. Drawing on his personal, military special operations, and real-world business experience, he has developed a life performance program that participants can immediately start applying. In this episode, we discuss mindset, relationships, and dealing with uncertainty. The art of self-reliance calls you to adventure, to develop your self-protection skills, to learn how to survive no matter where you find yourself, and to thrive amongst life's chaos. Todd, here's my first question for you. When you hear the words self-reliance, what does that mean to you? For me, self-reliance means resourcefulness, uh, totally taking care of yourself, your, your internal requirements, your external requirements, essentially being totally self-sufficient. I'd like to explore that further with you because I had a look at what you've been doing and following your work, and you definitely seem to be living the art of self-reliance. I guess my question is like, how do you go from war fighting into the space where you are helping people manage themselves and teaching them how to integrate their mind and body and land up in Costa Rica? Because that's where you are, right? So how does that even happen? (laughs) Well, you know, I I think this goes back to one of the things we both... uh, focus we we both have an art form you're a fighter as well as i am a a war fighter per se so there's a lot of similarities between the between each other and i think every day we wake up it's a battlefield you know uncertainty is a is a characteristic of battle and combat you never know what you're getting into so you have to prepare and plan for worst case situations. And something that has assisted me in transitioning from different situations, different battles in life is adhering to principles. So principles, fundamentals, procedures, but you know, there's these principles in life for instance, treat others as how you would want to be treated. With regards to leadership, um, set the example in all things, integrity, uh, principles as such. So 
when I transition from one climate to another, from one sector to another, I always rely on those principles to help steer me and guide me through those difficulties and through those challenges. And that's something I do here in Costa Rica with Zen Commando is I help people or I show them these, these simple principles to get through any challenges that they might encounter. I'm really interested in what you've just explored because one of the things that I did when I set up this pod class is what I'm calling it. My goal was always to leave the listener with something usable, something that they could actually apply in their everyday life. And I was thinking about, you know, what would be the three pillars that would define this ideal of self-reliance? And the three words that came up for me were protect, survive, and thrive. When I look at what you're doing in Costa Rica, especially with your retreats and the training that you offer, you are essentially doing that exact same thing. I mean, in one sense... You're helping people learn how to protect themselves, but you're also teaching them how to survive no matter where they find themselves. And beyond that, you are showing them how they can ultimately thrive through the experiences that they have to engage in in everyday life. Right. You're, you're spot on, Rodney, and something that I've kind of identified and have incorporated into my curriculum are the three rings of relationships. Those are kind of my pillars and those three rings of relationships. You know, we have to look at relationships differently than how we traditionally used to look at relationships. It's more than just a relationship between you and me. All right. Even, even Marcus Aurelius in his, in his book meditations talks about the three rings of relationships. And I've kind of expounded on those. And those three rings are the relationship you have with yourself that's mind, body, and spirit, the relationship you have with your environment, and those are places and things. And then lastly, the, the relationship you have socially. And I, I, I've broken that social ring down to two levels, people and the virtual relationships. Now, nowadays, we have virtual relationships online. It's huge. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, we have our own relationship in this virtual uh, sphere per se, and we have to manage that and protect that. So it's getting, it's getting complex, not complicated, but complex. And it's simple to manage. Those three rings of relationships are simple to manage. And that, that's something I help folks with is managing those three rings of relationship. Definitely. So while you were explaining that, I was thinking to myself, this is the way that I approach things, and I feel that's really important, and I agree with you that relationship is paramount. But it really comes down to learning to have a really good relationship with yourself, because unless you get that right, any other relationship you try to cultivate beyond yourself becomes difficult. Exactly. You're, you're spot on. That's the most important relationship. You can't have the other two unless you get the first one right. You can't love others unless you, you love yourself first. And it, it goes back to you, you, you reflect what you project. If you're an angry, bitter person or violent, that's going to reflect what you think you speak and what you speak you do. So to your point, that's the most important relationship. And it takes the most time. And it's never ending. All these relationships are continuous. 
similar to a principle in battle and warfare, never violate security. I remember being taught that as a young, as a young Marine, a young soldier, that's the first principle they teach you, never violate security. Complacency kills, even in the ring. Even before you get in the ring, you're mentally preparing yourself, not letting your guard down and coming up with worst case scenarios, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that first ring of relationship is vital yourself. It takes time every day. You have to dedicate some time to it, time and effort. So Todd, when you're working with people, especially in our modern day, I don't know if you have the same sense that I have, but people are really struggling and things are changing rapidly. There's a lot of uncertainty. And I get the sense that the way that people are trying to deal with situations is not always the best way. What have you noticed in your work that people are mostly struggling with at the present moment? (laughs) Just being more deliberate, slowing down. Their mind is a battlefield all in itself. Not only the external environment, and there's a lot we're dealing with. Well, it's all relative, as you know, the things we deal with. And in, in the theory of war and war fighting, they talk about internal friction and external friction. It's a characteristic of war. Those things you can control and those things you can't control. You see a lot of folks these days focused on things that they cannot control, whether it might be problem finding solutions for COVID or politics, but they spend a lot of time and you see this, you witness this in conversations at the bar or restaurant or cafes or on social media. So going back to what I'm seeing is that a lot of haste, hastily made decision-making, no no deliberate thought process, not going four to five layers deep into their thinking, and not looking at things from different angles. I like to say there's three sides to every coin or six sides to a box. And in today's age of digital media, and information, we have to be more on guard. We just can't take things for face value anymore. We have to perform our due diligence in taking the time, dissecting things, and not being so uh, non-deliberate in our thinking and acting. And in Western world, the Western world, particularly where, where I'm from in the United States, they, they they're very demanding. We've created this environment where you can have anything within a push of a button on your phone, Amazon, whatever it may be. I mean, look what we're doing now. It's beautiful. There's pros and cons to it all. They can be used to your advantage or as a disadvantage, but you know, just the thinking, the processing, the mental aspect is where we need to spend a lot of work on. I love the fact that you talked about slowing down and slowing down the thinking process. This is something that I see is evident everywhere. Now, right now, I happen to be on the Isle of Man. And I've noticed that every time I go down to the store, especially the big stores, I'm watching people and they seem to be walking around as if they're zombies. I mean, they seem to be so disconnected and erratic 
and they, they, they almost as if they're lost in space, not sure if they should go left or right. I put that down to that most people's brains are firing a million times a second and so occupied with so much stuff. And as you rightfully said, probably a lot of stuff that is completely irrelevant and completely out of their control. But I think for a lot of people, they don't realize how this actually shows up in their life, in their behavior. I can see it in their actions. And I'm thinking, well, I was thinking that if, you know, if, if people are struggling so much to be able to attend to what is happening right now in this moment, how much of their life are they actually missing in the end? Exacto. Exactly. We're, we're not taking the time to breathe and smell the roses. I, I've been there. I know, what it, I know what it feels like. I've been there. I've been a slave to the grind in corporate, the corporate world and you're just overloaded and over inundated with stuff and things and madness. And a lot of it is exactly that. A lot of it is unnecessary. That's something I realized that less is more the basics. Another, another principle, keep it simple. And I call it kiss. You're familiar with kiss. Keep it scientifically simple. I like to say some say, keep it simple and short or simple and stupid. But for me, keep it scientifically simple. Keep living simple. You don't need a lot of things. And that might be easy for me to say because I'm a single guy, no, no, no children. No, I'm responsible for me and, and my, my dog here. But I, I make an effort to keep things simple. And the more we add to our life, the more we have to manage. And we're given this narrative that a template almost per se of how we're supposed to live by this age you're supposed to be doing this by this age you're supposed to have this type of education from this type of university <laughs> by this time you're supposed to be living in this area in this type of house driving this type of car we're giving this narrative and we're expected to adhere to that narrative that is so true. So coming back to why you are in Costa Rica, is that part of the reason that one of the things you wanted to do was just be able to have the freedom to fully explore yourself and realizing that these ideas that we've been talking about were super important? I'm guessing, and I might be wrong, but you felt that you didn't want to become or end up becoming like the rest of the zombies that we see around us. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was part of it. That was part of it. What's in it for me? You know, what, what advantage moving here is there to me? But also, I've always had a deep passion in wanting to create something to uh, assist, help others on their journey. And maybe 25 years ago, 30, yeah, about 30 years ago, I, I had this business idea of developing a an adventure camp, a mind body adventure camp. I did a business plan on it for college and I, I guess I got a fairly decent grade on it, but an incorporated fitness, exercise, hiking, obstacle courses, problem solving, all those things. And that, that was always in the back of my, of my mind and back of my heart that I wanted to do something like that. And it's fun. And I, I enjoy coaching people, teaching them, I feel it's almost a responsibility and an obligation, 
to share what I have with others so they don't fall into the same traps that I have. And I've fallen into some pretty deep traps in my life. So the reason Costa Rica, one, it's a beautiful country. And it's, it's, it's within, it has infrastructure and it's within still a decent proximity to everyone, United States. It's a four or five hour trip at most. It's affordable. The air quality, I look at air quality. One of the criteria for when I move somewhere is air quality, food. And when I first came down here in 2015, I fell in love with it. I'm an outdoors person. I love mountains. I love oceans. I love rivers. And for me, Costa Rica met all those requirements. It was everywhere I've traveled. I haven't been to Thailand. I want to go. Maybe, maybe we can meet. But uh, I just had my Thai massage for the first time a couple of weeks ago from this girl that uh, knew Thai massage. It was amazing. And she said that folks, you know, you can get a lot better massages in Thailand. But anyhow, I'm digressing. But Costa Rica has everything uh, I, I was looking for with regards to environment to live in. And remember the second ring of relationships is environment. You need to place yourself in a healthy environment. Costa Rica is a healthy environment. It's a great place to bring people to, to disconnect them from their cell phones, from the digital area and arena. It's just a great place to live. I think that's beautiful. I mean, a couple of things that just stood out for me there was one is your whole idea of wanting to give back. That's really important. And as you know, being part of the warrior tradition, and if we reflect on Joseph Campbell's work, one thing he noted about the hero's journey is that you are never a hero, or you never become the hero, unless you come back and contribute what you have learned. And that's what you're doing, which is fantastic. Second to that is that you have people coming in to do these trainings. What do you feel are the kinds of common things that people are showing up for? What are the things that they're struggling with? I think it's important for people to know this, right? Because when they hear what other people are struggling with, at least they can reflect and say, you know what? Actually, it's not only me. I'm not the only person that's having these same problems. In, in short of a better term, they're fearful. There's a lot of fear in the world today. And I, I, I think fear is a byproduct of of a couple things. And we went, I was talking about security earlier. Security is vital. I, I put security, when we talk about relationships and for the listeners out there, we all look for different things in relationships between two people. And one of the, one of the common questions I ask people is, what is the number one component of a strong relationship? And 90% of the time, they answer trust. Trust is a huge component of relationships. I also hear communication, good communication, loyalty, uh, consistency, accountability. But for me, the number one component of relationships is security. And I use security as an umbrella term where all these different rungs or ingredients compose security, one being trust, consistency, reciprocity, uh, accountability, responsibility, et cetera, et cetera. 
But folks come down here because they want to know how to better manage their life and how to eliminate doubt and insecurity so they can better operate in the future of uncertainty. We have no clue what tomorrow holds. We have no clue what five years from now holds, but we need to be able to manage that uncertainty. So they come down here wanting to eliminate that doubt, uncertainty. Some folks want to eliminate bad habits. They might be addicts. I've had folks with severe addictions come down. It might be food, might be alcohol, might be, might be drugs. You know? So it all comes down to the doubt, insecurity, and wanting to tighten that shock group up per se, getting their sights aligned. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So what I find fascinating is the similarities between your work and my own. So let's talk about that a little bit. I think definitely one way to describe what we have been exploring here is the primal skills perspective. In, in one respect, it's really getting back to our original state. And then, you know, as I look around the world today, everything seems to be taken over by technology. We've lost sight of what it is to be in the presence of ourselves, just ourselves, without anything else. I mean, definitely as we look around, things are going further and further away and more and more into things like artificial intelligence and, as I noted, technology. But we are still sitting with the same problems. And the problems that we have today, even with all the advent of all the technological advances and all the things that have made our lives a whole lot easier, the internal struggles that most people are struggling with are no different to the struggles you know, back 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 years ago. I get the sense that unless we go back, unless we deal with that primitive primal energy within us, we are never going to be able to achieve any success. I just also think that most people are not going to find the success that they're looking for by giving the power, their power, their internal power over to something else like technology or artificial intelligence. Right. And you, gotta get, you have to master the basics first. That's a principle. You can apply that to anything, anywhere, any game, uh, any arena. You have to master the basics first. Communication is a big one. Yeah. Learning how to read, learning how to write, learning how to speak. And what I saw in the military, what was happening <clears throat> with the introduction of these electronic solutions, for instance, GPSs <laughs> and, and these electric compasses and, you know, guns that you shoot that you don't even have to think. You just point in a general direction and they're just smart and they go where you point them. But the thought process, there still needs to be a thought process behind that. And even in the military, we, when you go to boot camp, recruit training, and that's something I find very interesting about the military is that they can bring someone off the street, anyone, and you immediately lose your identity. They shave your head, they give you all the same clothes, and they break you down shotgun style they strip everything away from you and they teach you the basics, the basics of leadership, the basics of survival. What do you actually need to get by? 
in life. And that, that's same with our human interaction. And, and we're missing, I think we've become, because of technology, I love technology. I'm a huge proponent of AI, automation and technology, but we can't neglect the, the basics, being engaged with each other. And I see what has become, we've become more individualized than ever before, more isolated, more uh, removed. Leaders have, be have become more removed because it's easy to do what we're doing here and not to interact in person. We're only getting part of the picture here between you and me. You know, there's only one side here. But to teach people these basic skills, how to communicate, how to, how to exhibit compassion, in, you know, and how to respect one another, how to be honorable, and actions speak louder than words. So that's something we talk about here when folks come down to, down to retreats is the importance of the basics. Basics of breathing, taking the time in the morning to calm your mind, not picking your phone up the first thing when you wake up. We talk about that. You know, we talk about solutions. How can we solve these issues that you might be experiencing? You know, why are you over inundated with social media? It's common folks, I, I ask folks when they come down, how much time do you exercise each day? Well, I don't have time. I, I get up, I have to manage kids, I have to go to work, I have a video conference, this and that. I go, okay, let me see, let me see your telephone. I wanna see your screen time. Oh, you spend an hour on Facebook, but you don't have time to exercise for 30 minutes? <laughs> Your priorities are backwards, mate. <laughs> so getting back to the basics is vital. Remembering those basics, keeping those basics in check. And I even have, I have, I've, I created a security plan, I call it, that helps people to keep these things, to keep themselves honest with themselves so they don't lose sight of those basics. Yeah, I like that idea of, of really honing in on the fundamentals, right? And, and maybe part of the reason why people are missing those fundamentals is because we don't see their relevance anymore in the modern world is because, as you noted, things are so easy, right? If I want something, I can just basically order it off Amazon. The, you know, the, the, the time frame between getting things done these days can be instant, where in the past, if you really wanted to go and see somebody, it took time, right? Be it you had to travel to get there, you had to plan it. And now it's so easy just to cancel with somebody like one second before, right? Because it's just a click of a button or just the sending of a message. And I think coming back to those fundamentals are key. And you mentioned, you know, which is interesting, you, you're talking about, you know, coming into the military and coming off the streets and that, that the way that they mold people. And I, I mean, I served in the South African Defense Force. This was back in the time when military service was compulsory, but I saw the exact same thing. It was very interesting to see the transformation of people who hadn't ever been taught the fundamentals on how to be self-reliant. They learned really quickly. I mean, there was no choice but to do that, right? And it, it could be as simple as just knowing how to clean up your space and being responsible for what's around you. That's like a starting point. It sounds ridiculous, but at the end of the day... I agree when, when I hear things like this, where they say, you know what, if, you, if you're not making your bed in the morning and you're just walking out the door, that says something about your, your mind and what your mind is actually like inside there. 
right? Organization is a key pillar to, you know, to that success factor, staying organized. And we talk about that, you know, how organized are you? You need to have a, you need to have a battle plan each day. And those habits that organize those organizational habits, I call them priorities of work. So each, each, each morning I have my priorities of work that I do before I even, as soon as I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is smile. And then I give thanks to whoever it may be out there. I say, thank you for giving me another day, that gratitude piece, which I think is important. And then I, Joe Dispenza talks about this. I don't know if you've heard of Joe Dispenza, but he's uh, pretty prominent these days in energy healing and what you think you become, et cetera, et cetera. But the third thing I do is I, I visualize my day. I just take a couple minutes. I don't, I don't visualize the entire day, but I positively program my mind to how I'm going to engage with people. I haven't served as long as I did in the military, the, the Marine Corps. It took me a long time to learn how to smile. <laughs> You're not allowed to smile in the Marines. I say that jokingly, but you know, you, smiling is a sign of weakness in some societies and the military being one, but smiling is the biggest gift you can give to a stranger or someone on the street. It's a, it's beautiful. I just learned this five years ago. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. So I visualize my day and then and then the fourth thing I do is I meditate. I do some deep breathing exercise for 30 minutes. I breathe in and out and I really just meditate and breathe. And all this is done in my bed. And of course I wake up at a specific time in the morning because I'm, I'm regimented per se, or I have, I, I place parameters because I know me, I have to place parameters on my life and my daily schedule, because if I don't, I'm all over the radar screen and I'm self-destructive. I have potential to be, do crazy stuff if I don't put, set these parameters in my life. Four o'clock, I'm up, I'm doing my priorities of work. After meditation, I wake up or I get out of bed and I study. I spend some time reading, studying, learning something, practicing Spanish, and then I do my exercise. That's my priorities of work in the morning and I'm done by six, by six o'clock in the morning, all these priorities of work, these vital priorities of work that I need to do for that day are completed six o'clock in the morning mm. by six o'clock, my priorities of work. So I, if I don't do those priorities of work in the morning, my rest of the day is shot. I have to exercise. I have to meditate. I have to study something. Once those priorities of work are done, those are kind of my drugs for the day. I'm good. I'm ready. I'm fired up. I'm going all day long. Yeah. And what I love about this is the idea of the battle plan. I think some people, when they initially hear this, they think, oh, geez, no, what is that? This is very military and very strict. But what people don't realize is that by having that and, the pro and by programming yourself that way, you actually become freer. It's a way to instill discipline, and discipline is freedom. I think you've kind of hinted to that. If you don't do that, if you end up spending an entire day getting to the end of the day, and you just haven't got anywhere, 
Right. And that goes back to something else, Rodney, our natural circadian rhythm pattern. And that's something I, I, I'm a big believer in is adhering to our natural circadian rhythm pattern, our, our, our biological clock per se. It tells us when to eat, when to fall asleep. And something I, I've observed is that people, and there's books about this too, there's clinical studies and research done on this. The, the more you go against your natural circadian rhythm pattern, the more apt you are to be, to have disease, to become sick, to, to get stressed. At, at five o'clock at night, between five and six at night, that's, the la that's my last meal. After six o'clock, I'm not eating. I'm getting ready for bed. I don't, I don't have a lot. I don't use lights at night, artificial lights at eight o'clock. I'm in bed. I don't, I don't watch, I don't have a TV. Haven't had one for 25 years, but something folks don't consider is that natural circadian rhythm pattern. And the more you you're in conflict with that natural circadian rhythm pattern, the more apt you are to, to get sick, to gain weight, to mess up mm -hmm. your hormones. So we need to be careful about that and adhere to that natural circadian rhythm pattern. So that's why you sh should be doing certain things at certain times throughout the day, working out, exercising, hitting the gym at 10 o'clock at night probably isn't the best thing to do. <laughs> Eating a large meal at 10 o'clock at night after you leave the gym, probably not a good thing to do. You're going to go home, take a shower, go to bed. Your body's still going to have to metabolize, digest throughout the night, and you're going to wake up lethargic, not feeling good. And then I hear the excuses. Well, Todd, I work until 7 o'clock. I can't do this and that. Stop making excuses and find ways around it. Bring your, bring your dinner to work, you know, bag it, put it in a, in a, in the refrigerator, eat at a certain Yeah. Even, time. even just saying that's you part know. of the battle plan, right? That's, that's part of the battle plan. You know, so, so for me, a big, a big factor in my schedule is adhering to that now planning my life around that natural circadian rhythm pattern. Oh, absolutely. So it's really interesting that you talked about circadian rhythm. You know, being a warfighter, you can talk to this. You have had these experiences. One of the things is this idea of the fight and flight response that's being generated through the sympathetic nervous system, which is part of our autonomic nervous system. And that's okay when we are actually dealing with real threats to our safety. But much of the threats that people have to deal with in everyday life in the first world problems that we experience are perceived. They're not real, but yet their sympathetic nervous system is running hot all the time. Said another way, most people have this background anxiety, a hum, that they don't really realize is there until they stop and they really take full stock of what's actually happening on the inside. This in itself is, I feel, one of the major contributing factors to people being unhappy. Absolutely. Totally. 100%. You know, and like you said, perceived, a lot of, a lot of it is perceived, perceived fear, perceived threats. I worked in the security field for a little bit. And as a leader, one of our responsibilities is managing, managing others fear, managing their anxiety. <laughs> and, and a lot of that is managing their others perceptions of what isn't actually out there and uh yeah 
I, I think a lot of that, you know, and it has third, it has, un, it has consequences, all this stress and anxiety and this depression, it's, it's raging havoc on, on the system. Well, it's fantastic that you've even hinted to this a few times. You talked about the importance of breathing and spending some time working on breath. Now, there's obviously different ways to do this, but the key element here is that breathing enables us to break out of that sympathetic dominance, that fight and flight response. By focusing on breath, we engage the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest system, and that brings a person back to homeostasis. It enables a person to manage their anxiety more effectively. One of the most important parts of breathing in this respect is focusing on the outbreath. And so there is no better time, I would suggest, that when you wake up in the morning before you have to engage with the stress of life, so to speak, that spend some time just with yourself, working through breathing, focusing on the out-breath, engaging that calming side of your autonomic nervous system so that you can show up in life more balanced, more focused, and more grounded. Yeah, I find myself too, and the whole breathing, interestingly, I was introduced to meditation maybe five years ago. I, I tell folks, I've studied combat my entire life. You know, I, I, looked, I, I was looking at your background, and I think we have similar backgrounds in, in, that, in that effect. You know, growing up where you did, life is combat. You walk out on the streets, man. You got a head on a swivel, and then you go into this career of fighting, Life is total combat. I spent my entire life studying combat, but I never studied peace. I never studied peace. And, and even in the business world, business is combat. You know, second place is a first loser. Let's crush our, let's crush our competitors. We have to be number one. Are you making numbers? What's your quota for the month? Did you, did you, did you meet quota? If not, you're fine. We're in this total competitiveness battle, nonstop war, but we never study peace and, and what, those, what those characteristics of peace are. And I was always fascinated with martial arts and I never practiced um, formal martial arts just through the military basic stuff, but I've always been fascinated with martial arts and Eastern philosophy and the meditation aspect. And I, I, I think in some ways the Eastern philosophies, they, they have things in the right approach where they teach peace first <laughs> and maybe, you know, violence as a last resort. And, and that, whole, that whole breathing and meditation, quieting the, quieting the mind. And I saw how I got introduced to meditation, I was in San Francisco, California, and there's a, a large Asian population and there's Zen centers and meditation centers all over the place. And I was just felt drawn. It was just one of those days. I, the energy attracted me and I walked in and I took a meditation class and it was amazing. I sat, it was the first time I ever sat for so long without saying a word. <laughs> 45 minutes of just breathing. And when I left, I felt the world, no burdens. I felt empty. They talk about that emptiness. I, I felt just light. It was a beautiful feeling and it got me into wanting to study it more and more than the breathing. 
aspect of it. Wim Hof, I, I've been looking, you know, ex exploring different breathing techniques and have integrated that into my practice. And it's taken, it's taken it to the next level, the meditation and the breathing. And I, I think you can probably agree. We look back throughout our fitness careers and sometimes we go, wow, if I only knew that. 30 or 40 years ago. One of the things I wish I would have known 40 years ago was the benefits of say yoga or breathing and meditation and Pilates. Yeah. And these are things I tell young folks now. Yeah. I share with them, Hey, do these stretches, do these postures, focus on the breath, focus on quieting your mind. So in the breathing, sometimes throughout the day, I, I just stop and just breathe. It's a reset. Some folks reach for a bottle of whiskey or whatever it may be, a cigarette. I reach for breath. Air is beautiful to me. I'm so grateful to, have, to be able to breathe. It's a beautiful feeling. And it resets you. It oxygenates your body. The power of breath and breathing, oh, my goodness. It's powerful. Very powerful. You don't realize how important it is until it's taken away from you. So... A lot of times when I'm teaching people, I do this on purpose. I get them to hold their breath while I'm asking them to execute specific martial arts movements. Immediately, they start to realize how important breath is, not only obviously to the obvious fact that, you know, without breathing, you're no, no longer living, but just how breath in of itself enlivens movements. When you take that away, your movement gets affected. In that sense too, you know, people quickly realize that Breath is also crucial to the way their brain is functioning. And so your ability to stay focused has a lot to do with how well you are, you are breathing. And if you're breathing incorrectly, that's going to take away from your focus. One of the things that I notice all the time, you know, when I'm looking at people, and you can do this too if you're listening to this podcast, is that have a look around and see where most people are breathing from. You'll notice that most people breathe from the sternum up. That's a really key indicator that their sympathetic nervous system is running hot. They may not know it, but their breathing is actually telling you that. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's not great, but it's a great observation. You know, you can tell, you can tell a lot about a person's state, physical and mental, just by how they carry themselves. I mean, you're processing and how do they breathe? <laughs> I mean, I, and that's just an indicator. Okay. I, I see how that person's breathing. I, I, I have to approach this problem in this manner, this and that. But one of the first things we do down here when folks come down, when I, when I have visitors, guests, and clients, is talk the first thing next to mindset. Mindset is the first thing we talk about because that's the, the number one weapon that they have in their arsenal is this, their mind. So we spend a little bit of time talking about mindset. Then we go right into the breathing and meditation aspect of it those tools to help them to, to what you said. Once you start breathing and meditating, you get more clarity. You can think with higher fidelity. It's beautiful. Your thought process, it's a lot more clear when you can think and you're calm. Absolutely. Let's just shift gears a little bit. And one of the things I want to talk about, because many of the listeners of this podcast are veterans, I've had the great fortune to have worked with veterans, helping them reintegrate back into civilian society. And I'm always interested to hear from people just like you that have had to transition from the military into civilian life. 
what have you found was really important in your transition back into civilian world? Yeah, that's that's a good one because that to me, ah, man. And, and I, I read one of your blogs and I hope you don't mind me talking about this blog, about this, this state of depression you went through re, from a result of an injury, your lower back, I believe. Yep. No, I took out my neck. And so that's just from constantly getting smashed in the head over the years. Yeah. Your body has been brutally beaten. And there comes a point in time in your life where Rodney, guess what, man, you can't do this anymore. Wow. That's some heavy stuff. And that can have profound impact on you as it did with you as it had on me. I tore a meniscus in a knee on my knee before I was heavily into triathlons and endurance races. And I sustained an injury and the docs like, Hey man, guess what? You have to rethink and look at different hobbies. You might want to take up golf. What golf? <laughs> I've never golfed in my life, nor do I want to It just looks too boring for me, but I, I'm this transition piece to me, one, for veterans, and this applies to anyone, even folks that go from maybe going through a divorce. I've been through divorce, and it was one of the most traumatic things that I've ever gone through, loss. And the common thread between all this is loss. When you're leaving the military and you're going from one environment to another, you're losing your identity. You, were, you just spent four years, whatever it may be, as a soldier, uh, a commando, a Marine, you had an identity, you had a uniform, you had a rank, you were someone. Now you're going to the civilian world, this totally new environment you're, that's being removed from you. And now, you, now you're in this new environment where you have to start all over again. You need to create this new purpose, kind of like when you have an injury and you can't do the things you used to do. You have to find a new purpose. And this transition, it starts before it happens. So the, the vets, most of them are, are already vets, but what I, I share with vets or folks that are about to get out one or two years, start preparing before you, don't wait until the last minute till you get out to figure out what you wanna do. You know, oftentimes, you know, that I share that with service members before they get out is, hey, start planning your, your career path when you leave the military. Start creating those relationships. Don't create networks, create relationships. Think about what you want to do. Set yourself up for success. So one of the problems folks have, what I'm seeing with the vets that get out, one, they failed to set themselves up for success before they got out. Okay, I get it. There's nothing I can do about that now. Okay, got it. So let's, let's, let's fix it now. Creating a purpose. What's your purpose now in life? Creating a new purpose. What are you good at? What do you like to do? What are your passions? Okay, let's, let's start connecting, your, putting yourself in the, these environments. Let's find these proper environments for you so you can connect with other people so they can assist you to do what you want to do. Okay creating these priorities of work. Veterans, common 
common problem veterans have that I deal with is alcoholism. One of the first things they do when they get out, you know, they, they don't, they, they lose that self-worth. They have, they don't have this identity. They're having difficulty getting a job. I get it. You know, I took a pay cut when I got out of the military, you know, but jobs are out there and you have to, you know, you, you do have to start from scratch or, you know, re, re, reca- re-identify yourself, recreate that purpose. So, uh, it, it's, it's, it's tough. It's not easy, but the, the journey starts before you get out, you know, prepare yourself. Don't wait until the last minute to get out. And then when you get out and re, re creating that purpose, you have to find a purpose for yourself. I think that's very important. I think this idea of creating purpose is essential, not only just for a veteran, reintegrating back into civilian society but for anybody who has had to make massive changes in their life and going into something that may be completely new it's important to identify what that purpose is i know that simon sinek talks about this finding your why what is your why exactly what's your why i'm i'm a huge fan of simon sinek and he talks about what's your why which i mean what's your purpose and that purpose can change yeah exactly Exactly. And before, before people leave one of my retreats, I have them write their purpose down because we talk about this over five days. We go into deep depth on this. Okay. What's your purpose in life here? And please, whatever that purpose is, ensure you're incorporating helping others into it. Because a lot of folks that go into these, these, um, these government service, whether it's military police, Deep down inside, they, they have this, this desire to want to help people. You know, and we're designed, we, we as humans, we're, we're supposed to cooperate, help one another. That's, that's how we're engineered, to help one another out. So make sure your purpose plan has a, a subcomponent in that to where you're helping people out. Whatever may that, whatever, however that, however that is, it could be posting positive things on Facebook. It could be that simple, positive messages on Facebook, or or volunteering, doing some sort of volunteer work, or helping someone out that's going through difficulty. That's been probably one of the most rewarding things for me, is is helping, assisting, resourcing others through challenging times. That's been my medicine. That's, that's, that's very medicinal. I think that, yeah, I think that's super important. I think that's very helpful, Todd. So as we come to the end of this, leave us with some words of wisdom. What would you want people to hear? What's your final thought? Something to, to is a take home message that they can implement and think about it, you know, applying into their own life. Right. I, I would just say, you know, know what you can and cannot do what you can and cannot control. And, and be the best person. Be the best person you can each day. Be the best person you can in everything. Every second, every minute of every hour. Do the best in everything. In kindness, with respect, and humility. And uh, in the, that's the most simplest thing you can do. Be the best you can. To learn more about the art of self-reliance, our virtual coaching service, online courses, and our retreats in Thailand, head over to Primal Skills. That's with a Z.com.